This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is sponsored by GEICO, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. And you probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Well, our first guest, that'd be Adam Gase. He took Miami to the playoffs in his first season as head coach of the Dolphins, winning 10 games in 2016, or as many as Hall of Famer Don Shula won in his first season with Miami. Adam was hired, of course, after working as offensive coordinator for John Fox in both Denver and Chicago, and if his name sounds familiar, it should. He was the guy calling the plays for the Broncos in 2013 when Peyton Manning set single-season passing records with 5,477 yards and 55 touchdowns. Adam, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Adam, always good to have a fellow Spartan on the show. We had uh, Morton Anderson on the show. And he That's sang a fight song for us. <laughs> We're not going to ask you to sing the fight song, though. <laughs> <laughs> Please, no. Band's playing. It, it's good to hear that fight song. I don't know it's it. always good to hear <laughs> that fight song. They get dialed up too much this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we keep reminding Goose of that. <laughs> hey, it's Adam, a basketball sure, school. Sure sure <laughs> Adam, you served as assistant under some defensive-minded head coaches, Nick Saban, Rod Marinelli, Mike Nolan, John Fox. Also, some offensive-minded head coaches, Steve Mariucci and Josh McDaniels. Which of those coaches had the biggest impact on your own coaching philosophy and career? I think it took a little bit from everybody. I think being with Coach Saban for seven years, that created a, a very good foundation as far as what I you know, learned to do on a day-to-day basis and how to set things up and just being so involved because when I, in the position I was in, especially when I was a graduate assistant, I was doing so many things for him where a lot of position coaches don't get a, you don't get to see all the little details that he goes through and what he does and how he puts things together. And being in that position was really helpful for me at this point in my career, just kind of leaning back on a lot of those things. And I also think being with Josh McDaniels was, was very important for my career because the way he did things, it, it there was so much good that I was able to take out of those those couple years with him in, in Denver, and you know he, he taught me so much, you know, from his experiences that he had in New England. Adam, you were in, uh, a, a grad assistant with Josh McDaniels at Michigan State in 1999. Which one of you guys got the coffee and donuts in the morning? <laughs> you know, I was I was a student assistant there, so I was below the graduate assistant. So <laughs> I don't even know if I made it up to that that part yet. So they just kind of. <laughs> I was just kind of in the back, so I didn't have to. I didn't have as much as that those type of duties to do. I was, you know, doing a lot of the, you know, running copies, and you know, there was a lot of little scouting report things that they had me doing. Uh, we also spent a season as the quarterback coach in, in Detroit with uh, Mike Martz uh, as offensive coordinator. Is one of the really one of the great offensive minds of his his time, and a friend of the show. We might add. Uh, so how entertaining and educational was it for you? Spend a season, uh, you know, around the guy we called Mad Mike. Well, when he came in 2006, I, I was in Detroit from 03 to 07, and when he came in 2006, he he was trying to hire John Ramsdale, and you know it was kind of in flux whether or not he was coming to Detroit. Well, John ended up taking a job in San Diego. Mike ended up not hiring a quarterback coach, and I was the quality control guy, and he grabbed me and he he was like, "I'm going to teach you, I'm going to teach you everything I know about quarterback play." He's like, "Just listen to what I say and." I just want you to, you know, just stay by my side and 
you know, pick up as much as you can and I'll, and I'll try to help you along the way. And you'll always be thankful for the fact that Mike barely knew me and took me under his wing like that to show me all the little details of what he did. And over that 06 and then 07, he wanted me to be a quarterback coach. And then I went with him in 08 to San Francisco. Just all three of those years were critical for me being able to watch him develop game plans, talk in front of the offense, practice, scripting, all those type of things. And, you know, when we had a rookie minicamp in 07, he forced me to install everything and really script everything and, and really be the coordinator for that rookie minicamp. And it was one of those things where at the time I'm going, all right, I've been a position coach here for six months. He sure does have a lot of faith in me, but that's what Mike would do. He would, he would put you in an uncomfortable situation, try to challenge you to see if you would rise to the occasion and see if you could you know, handle that kind of pressure he put on you. We're speaking with Miami head coach Adam Gase on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at, at talkoffamenet. And Adam, um, you saw near perfection at the quarterback position, as I mentioned, from Peyton Manning in 2013. You're only 39. Has it crossed your mind that that season may be as good as it gets for you as an offensive play caller, and for that matter, honestly, uh, for most any offensive play caller in the NFL? No, I haven't really thought of it that way. I, you know, just looking back on that time, it was very valuable and being able to witness him playing, practicing, preparing for all those games the the way he did, and just to be a, be able to be a part of it, and all the guys that we had on that roster, you know, that year was. You know, a lot of those players were, were young at the time, and a lot of those guys ended up going to win a Super Bowl. But seeing him do what he does best, and, you know, we had, you know, doing our – we were going no huddle, and, you know, the difference probably was is we, we pushed it all the way until the clock hit zero. We, we never backed down. We never slowed down what, you know, our philosophy was. Our job is to get better through the game, so – we weren't really paying attention to the score. We were just going to keep playing until somebody told us to stop. Adam, Peyton Manning wasn't the only quarterback you coached in Denver. You also coached Tim Tebow and even won a playoff game with Tebow throwing for 300 yards. He's off playing baseball now, but let me ask you this. Is there a place in the NFL for quarterbacks with a particular offensive skill set of a Tim Tebow? I always think when, when, you, when you have a guy that, that's able to do multiple things and you know everybody has their own opinion on Tim and I would say this for what we were doing that year, it was the right fit for us. And, you know, we made some adjustments that benefited him and the entire team rallied around that. Our defense really stepped up, played well. They just knew if we got to the fourth quarter and it was a close game, we were going to have a, a great, great chance to, to win the game because between him and Willis McGahee, you know, our play action passing game, those that were, you know, two big guys running the football. And, you know, Tim was 245-ish, I think, at the time. Willis was 240 to 245. I mean, it was two big guys really hammering on the defense. And we got to the fourth quarter, We, you know, a lot of runs were popping. And then we hit a couple, whether it be a screen or a play-action pass down the field. You know, we had two young receivers that could create some explosive plays. Well, obviously, you've seen a lot of different kinds of, of quarterbacks. It couldn't be two more different types than Debo and, and Peyton Manning, obviously. What, in your opinion, is the most important trait in, in a quarterback, accuracy, leadership, uh, mental toughness? Uh, what's the first thing you look for when you're judging quarterback? This is, this is the toughest question, you know, for me, because of how different college football is from the NFL. 
and being able to identify what's going to translate. And, you know, the, with the college game kind of getting more and more spread out, it seems like NFL, every team's a little different. you got some teams that like spreading out. You, you have some teams that like to, to tighten it down. You know, anytime that you have a guy where the, where that leadership quality is just head and shoulders above where they can command the, you know, the entire organization and have that kind of impact, you know, from top to bottom, that's always something that's, you know, those, that's a hard trait to find. You, you know, you have so many quarterbacks in the league and, you know, there's a reason why there's only two or three guys when you guys talk about current quarterbacks that really kind of go in that Hall of Fame area, you know, as far as future Hall of Famers. And, you know, my experience being with a guy that's going to be in there one day, he, there was a reason why he was special. I mean, he, he made sure that he, he was felt, you know, all around the building. And once you get past that, you can probably take the rest of that stuff and shake it up in a bag and pick a couple traits that you could probably lean on. But if you're one of those guys that's able to impact the entire organization, I think that's a, that's a, it's a rare trait to find. That's why there's so few guys that are that dominant in the NFL. Well, Adam, we've asked you about Tebow. We've asked you about Peyton. Let's ask you about a quarterback you actually coach, and that's Ryan Tannehill. Is his impact felt throughout the entire organization? I guess what I'm asking is how close is he to becoming the quarterback you both want and need him to be for Miami? I think he's really made a lot of strides from when I when I kind of got here, and, and a lot of it's been his, his own you know, development through experience. And when we, when we got here and we kind of started – working through practice and meetings and going through a season together. I just saw some growth as, as one, a person and a football player. And you guys know as well as anyone, when you're involved in these games, you know, every game is just a wealth of, of knowledge that you're gaining. And, you know, the best guys to work with are the guys, when they make a mistake, they lock that in and want to make sure that never happens again. And they learn from that and they develop from that and they, they really excel the next time they get in those type of situations. And, you know, we were put in a lot of tough positions last year, and I felt like, especially our fourth quarter games, which we had quite a few of them, he did a great job of, you know, leading our team, you know, finding ways to win. You know, sometimes they weren't pretty as far as how we had to win them. But I love the fact that he's the same guy from start to finish. You know, you see him get excited every once in a while, but it's going to – it's probably one of those plays where he makes a, a good throw and he gets crushed. But, you know, he stay, he's the same guy all the time. And, and when you can find a guy like that, there's a, a lot there for us to just keep working on and find ways to get better. Adam, the Dolphins finished seventh in the NFL on special teams in your first season as head coach. That's usually a segment of the game that falls through the cracks with young head coaches. Where did you gain your appreciation for the kicking game? Well, this, this, this will go back to Coach Saban. That was something that was a huge point of emphasis the entire time that I was with him. And, you know, when we got here, we, you know, I sat down with our special teams coordinator and assistant special teams coordinator, uh, Darren Rizzi and, and Marwan, and we talked about, you know, what's the best way to make sure that the special teams impact is felt. We spent a lot of time on it. We increased meeting time. We increased practice time. We really talked about it a lot with our entire, our entire team. And we may have kept a few more guys that are more special teams type guys. And we were really good with that. We felt like there was a way for us to impact the game. And, you know, we drafted some guys that had some special teams ability and we're, we're always looking for returners and guys that can play both offense or defense and, you know, contribute in, in these, you know, all the different phases. And I felt like our guys did a great job as 
you know, taking in all the information they were given and then executing on Sundays. Well, you're, you're certainly in a division uh, where, you know, the measuring stick is right there. I mean, the Patriots for the last 15, 16, 17 years, whatever it's been, have been at or near the top. For a guy in your position and your and the position your team is, is that a blessing or a curse to be in the same division with, with New England? Well, I, I look at it as a positive because you're able to play the best twice a year. And they've been consistent for a long period of time. And we have to keep trying to find ways to, to get better. And when we get our opportunities to play those guys, you know, we played two games last year and they showed us why they won the division and then ended up winning the Super Bowl. It's, they made fewer mistakes. We made mistakes at critical times of the game. And that's the biggest difference in this league. It's when it's crunch time of making sure that you're on it and you're doing everything right because that's when the game's going to be won or lost in those last five minutes of the game. And, you know, those were valuable lessons for us. And, you know, this year guys have to do a good job of preparing one day at a time, you know, through the entire spring and training camp and understanding that all those things that we're covering and talking about and practicing, all that's going to matter because our guys know that the team that's north of us, they're trying to do the same thing and they're trying to find ways to perfect all the little details that they're talking about. It's really going to be a, a, a race to when we end up playing them how good can we be? How detailed can we be? How well can we execute? Because they're going to be trying to do the same thing, and they, they've done it better than anybody else for a longer period of time. And we have some catching up to do, and it's just it, it all starts in the offseason. There's no wasted time for us, for sure. Hey, Adam, uh, we've got to go, but thanks so much for the time, and best of luck for the coming season. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Thank Adam. you, Adam. That was Miami head coach Adam Gase. Up next is our two-minute drill with Ron calling this week's plays. Yeah, I hope he's not going to the shotgun goose. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.